You're dismissed. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Let's count our blessings. We'll turn right to the word. Thank you tonight, musicians. Genesis 32. You're sounding like we're about ready to go home. Time for the rapture. Amen. We talk about it. We sing about it. We'll preach about it tonight. And one day we'll just manifest it. Amen. Amen. Living under rapture blessings. Tonight we want to speak on that. Genesis chapter 32. Real familiar scripture. Getting ready for camp. About a week and a half. So tonight might be our little camp service. Pre-camp service. So we'll be ready for that. Let's bow our heads tonight and ask the Lord, our great heavenly Father. Would you like him to speak to you? Slip up your hand to him then. and I will too. Oh, Jesus, thank you, our dear heavenly Father. Count our many blessings. We thank you for these blessings, oh God. Throughout the years, as we look back, Lord, how good you've been to us. We have no complaints. We have nothing to whine about or cry about, Lord. You've raised us as sons and daughters to be mature people, to thank you, Father, in the good times and the bad times. And we're a few days closer to the body change, Lord. A few days closer to the coming of the Lord. A few days closer, if you would tarry, Lord, to future victories and future times with one another. Just pray bless the word tonight. Let there be strength within the assembly. Let there be healing here tonight. Let there be inspiration. As our brother Tom said Sunday, we don't want to get under just the uh, spirit of the man or the inspiration of the man. We want the Holy Spirit to punctuate the word of God and move it into a change, oh God. Some within this service are ones we've been praying for throughout this week and even Sunday. So we pray that, Lord, you would continue to bring your lambs and sheep up close to your heart. And some that aren't with us tonight, but they are in need of that love. And you allow things to happen in our lives to let us know how much you love us. It's a personal walk, Lord. But we come together as a body tonight to show that we love you. And we love one another and we love your word. Let something move within our hearts. May the lights be turned on. And even during the preaching of the word, let Lord Revelation strike our hearts. And change our natures, change our lives, change us, rapture us up into that heavenly place that we all have need of, a need that we have. We hold it now and ask that you would speak now throughout this service to every life in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I think there is a prayer meeting Friday night, uh, 730. So as it'll be the last prayer meeting before um uh, our uh, summer camp. So let's, uh, th- those are there are available. It'd be really nice uh, to be here. Genesis 32, real familiar scripture in verse 24. Speaking, uh, I think the first four words of verse 24 really say it for us. And Jacob was left alone. Well, how we need to get alone with God. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Have you noticed that before? Sometimes we, we see at the end of the chapter here that he, his, uh, uh, 
that he, he halted upon his thigh when the Lord touched him. But did you know in verse 25 that the angel had already touched him? So as he wrestled with him, his thigh was out of joint. And he said, let me go. The angel said, for the day breaketh. Let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. I wonder if God could give us this kind of a determination tonight. I'm not going to let you go until thou bless me. And this blessing that we're speaking about tonight is not a momentary blessing, feel good gospel. It's a change. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? I like these last few verse words here. And he blessed him there. Exactly what Jacob desired that I will not let you go except thou bless me. The Bible says, and he blessed him there. So whatever is in your heart for God, God wants to give it to you. In fact, it's not you that put it there. It was God that put it there. Let's open up our hearts tonight and let the thirst and the nature that's inside of the seed be germatized. Just takes a moment, just a quickening. And from that moment, you'll never be the same. All the wrestling and all the trying of yourselves will find out that our, our thigh and how your walk is changed forever when he blesses you. Verse 30, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. And he, as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrank. I thought, isn't that amazing? The Jewish people, they have such a respect for that part of the body that was touched in Jacob's life. They don't even eat that part. Surely as Gentiles that have a revelation of Christ, we can have a respect for when God begins to move. For when God begins to touch a life, they can never be the same. God bless you as you have your seats tonight. And we just feast off of the word of God. You know, we never know from service to service what will happen to one of us. Is that true? We never know, and I was praying with Brother Michael Ray with someone on Sunday, and we don't like to pray this, but we oftentimes pray whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes in a situation, you know, God might just answer that prayer. And we don't like to pray that anymore, because sometimes the breaking of uh, God's hand as the good shepherd isn't you say oh, that's a cruel shepherd that's a cruel shepherd to break someone's leg but God prepares us beforehand and if we just quieten our heart and tenderize our spirits brother Nathaniel I just saw a photo of brother uh, Hank Iberson in his hospital 
bed today and it just almost broke my heart to know that he's sitting here a few weeks ago and tonight he's in a need of the great physician to help him through the night tonight. We never know when something will happen, maybe come out of nowhere, but God knows how to bring us up close to his heart. I was reading uh, this week about Mary Magdalene, but Brother Branham said about her, you might remember she was one of the ladies that God delivered in the scripture and how she knew his power. And she knew there was something about him that was different from anyone else. She had seven devils cast out of her. Everybody, he said, that's ever been free from the devil by the power of Jesus Christ knows where they're standing. No one can ever come in his great divine presence and ever be the same person anymore. You're changed. There's something happens to you. We believe that tonight. In fact, if we're in his presence and time goes on and time goes on and a person is not changed, I think it should be cause for great concern. That we can be in the presence of God. We can hear services like we've been here. And have God speak to us through minister after minister after minister. I would say like Mary Magdalene. She knew the power of God because she had had devils cast out of her. But anybody that's ever been free from the devil by the power of Jesus Christ knows where they're standing. Satan would like to just knock your feet out from under you and cause you to always not know where you're standing. But I pray that as God walks with us even more throughout this in time, as we come into his divine presence, that we would be a changed people, that we would be changed. There's something that happens to you. He he goes on to say, oh, you can stand off. And psychology and imagine this and accept this, a certain thing or some theories or something like that. But we don't believe, he said, in theology. We believe in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you come into his presence, now this isn't into the presence of the preacher. This isn't the presence of the church. This isn't the presence of him. If he's in the preacher, he's in the church tonight, then we are in God's presence. We believe in that. When you come into his presence, there's something that happens in your life that changes you. And you're never the same anymore, a man that's ever been in the presence of God. Tonight, can we say a lady that's been in the presence of God, they'll never be the same anymore. Then I believe all of us can pray, Lord, bring your presence even more real to us. That we're not just in the presence of one another like men and women. And and just maybe toward the end of the service, I just have two comments about camp to make. But I, as, as the voice said to Paul that was Saul on the road to Damascus when God was changing his life in that moment. And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, let us never forget that we're all different. But it's still Jesus. We're all, we have different expressions and different expressions in the body. But it is still Jesus. 
That's our prayer individually and that's our prayer for one another is to see more of Jesus. Now, Brother Branham said, you're never the same anymore, a man that's ever been in the presence of Christ. So it is a great burden on our hearts, Lord, that as we go along and you see the world has a way of Satan of trying to sear our hearts and deaden the voice. Even amongst believers, we can get to a place that the voice of the world, the voice of our jobs, the voice of our physical needs, or the lack in our bank account, or our, our certain things we may struggle with in our spirits, the voice of them can get so loud, but when the presence of God is trying to minister to us, we can miss it. God, don't let us miss it, Lord. I mean, life-changing, life dramatically changing events are in the presence of God. We can never be the same when you're in his presence. So why are people still the same? How can they be in the presence of the word and leave the same or even worse? It's because they fail to recognize that the rapture is trying to bless you. I want to say that tonight before we move along. If you're in any other spirit trying to anoint you in your life, it's time to move up into the rapture. To live under now this blessing that God is trying to extend to you of coming out of whatever spirit. I I was listening to a message this week. Brother Branham was talking about how people were inspired by the destroying angel. Talking about in Egypt and how people were under the inspiration of the destroying angel. But if they could be under a destroying angel's anointing, and we see it today. We see it in politics. We see it in in the worldly uh, spirit. Satan is broadcasting his message. It's almost like politics has become a bunch of children just arguing like and just fussing back and forth. There's no hope in that. There's no hope in the financial system. It's up today and down tomorrow and, and a lot of counterfeit goes around. But we have the real. Sodom is right around us. Gomorrah, what Sodom and Gomorrah, and we might speak on it a little later, but Sodom and Gomorrah were two cities that were very close together. You hear of them in the Old Testament and the New being spoken about together. Very immoral cities. Very vile. I was thinking about what it would have been like to have lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. When they were raising their rainbow flag and so proud They were so proud of their homosexuality, their lesbianism, and their, you know, and and people trying to change their gender. And they're so proud and they'll put it in your face. In fact, they'll make you feel like you're the weird one. You're the odd one. And they don't just want you to tolerate them. They want you to celebrate them. And if you're not happy about what they think they are, then they push you down. You're a bigot. You're not part of them. We're not part of them. We're not with Sodom. We're not with Gomorrah. And there were five other cities. And Zor, Z-O-A-R, was just a little city that, that Lot said, oh, let me go into that little city. But the angels were very specific. Don't even go into the little city. And we find that Lot and his family... And if we have time to get into that, we might a little later, the consequences of decisions of a man and his wife and his children 
that got out from under the anointing of the word. They got out from under the anointing of Melchizedek. The very one that could change their bodies and bring about the promise. Lot knew the message. He couldn't, he couldn't live with the simpleness of, of Abraham and the Sarah. Lot's wife, she wanted to be part as, as Brother Branham was talking about Lot's wife. And I have so much to say you could say about Lot's wife, but Brother Branham said it wasn't in her heart. And how could I overcome? He said she still loved the world. He said she never overcame. Think about it. In Luke 17, Jesus said, speaking of our day, remember Lot's wife. He's showing the parallel of the negative uh, as it was in the days of Sodom. That's the way it's going to be when Christ reveals himself. When the rapture takes place, that's the atmosphere in Laodicea. That's what Jesus said. Two will be in the bed. One will be taken. One will be left. Two will be in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. Two grinding at the meal. One will be taken and the other left. Friends, we want to live under the rapture blessing. We want to be in a place. Whoever you are tonight, let the Holy Spirit cut away any spirit that would keep you earthbound. Hallelujah. We only have about an hour maybe to hear the word tonight. But I pray that God continue to anoint the ministry in our local assembly and and globally in the bride of Christ. We're not going to step back and we're not going to compromise. In fact, there ought to be a great liberty through the ministry that if God wants to cut away or say something uh, publicly that is in a private life, we need to give him that liberty. Do we agree with that? I I was listening to communion. Brother Branham's last uh, time that he had after leadership before he went away. And he was speaking about that the days of Ananias and Sapphira would be repeated again. And he's just reminiscing about his past and his childhood. I thought it was amazing. Brother Branham's last words publicly. And he's going back to when he was a little boy. Then he brings it right through the scripture of the days of Ananias and Sapphira would be here at the end time. I want to say tonight, Lord, anoint the ministry that stand behind the pulpit. That will come through our our summer camp as Brother Michael, Sister Abigail and and all the others, campers and workers and and counselors. And you that uh, live on this side of the border and cannot make it. I, I believe we're coming into a time where we don't identify with the lots group. We can't identify with a group that knew the prophet's message. It's the Abraham group we identify with. It's the rapture group. We have been touched in our souls by Christ. And we can never be the same. Brother Branham goes on to say, So she had seven devils. Mary Magdalene. She had seven devils cast out of her. Pride and envy. And she thought she was so pretty. And there was no one like her. But when Jesus spoke and said, Be thou clean. All that left her. Oh God put power in the word. That if some spirit is lingering. Even in our homes. Or in our young people. Or in a married couple. Or in an older one. 
Let the word come at such a level that when the word comes and says, be thou clean, like it did in Mary Magdalene, all that left her. Her pride left. Her envy left. Her thinking she was so pretty and there was no one like her. That's just like Laodicea. Have need of nothing. Well, I'm clothed or I've got it all together and God said, but you're naked. We're not part of that group. We're not part of Lot's wife's group. Jesus said that for a warning. Remember Lot's wife. Brother Branham said in one message, uh, she was a mother that just turned her head slightly and looked back. Remember Lot's wife. A mother that turned her head slightly and looked back. In another message, he said she had a lot more to look back for than we had. Because her heart was in Sodom. She was looking to the world. She was looking to, can I cut my hair? She was looking to, can I wear the pants? And maybe not just physically, but in her spirit. She catered to being dominating. She wanted to do that. She wanted to wear the makeup. She wanted to be the false facade. That was Lot's wife. In another message, Brother Branham said her children and grandchildren were burning. In another place, speaking about Lot's wife, she misbelieved God's word and the screams. This is another message. This was more than one or two or three. If you look through the message, which we did a search of Lot's wife this week, he talked about the screams. She was hearing the screams of children and grandchildren. And a mother's heart crying out, she just disobeyed God's word. So on one side you would say, well, I can't fault Lot's wife. She was a mother. I can't fault her for having a mother's heart. God didn't either. But the word was clear. Don't look back. Don't go back. We've heard the same through Malachi 4. There's nothing in Egypt for us. Tonight, we ought to be running to the cross, running to Calvary, running across Jordan. Don't you worry. God will move back the waters of the Red Sea for you. Don't you worry. 40 years later, God will move the Jordan River back for you. You just commit that to God and run toward that city of refuge. If you've been playing around with the world or if you've just kind of been dabbling on the fringes, it's time to get serious with God. As Brother Branham came up to that accident, I remember him speaking about the accident and the car being flipped up side down and the gasoline coming down. And he was able to speak to the person. Do you know him? Do you know the Lord? And where did you leave him? Where did you leave him? You're dying, son. He said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's a little child's prayer. In other words, he left him when he was a little boy. He left him back when God was dealing in his heart. I say, go back to that tonight. Can you imagine Lot's wife that was made to be a mother, made to be a grandmother? And she heard the scream. She heard the cries. And a little later, I want to show you a quote on the screen. But Sarah had also laughed at the promise. 
But she did not die because she was connected to Abraham. And Brother Branham said he couldn't take Sarah because she was part of Abraham. And the quote I want to show you later was Brother Branham said today, the unbelief with the real true church. She has unbelief, but he can't touch her because we're in Jesus. And tonight you wonder why we look at Sodom and Gomorrah and don't become a pillar of salt. Because Abraham rose up in the morning in Genesis and the Bible said he looked towards Sodom and the smoke was coming and God had rained down fire and brimstone. So Abraham looked at the same thing that Lot's wife did, but it had a different effect on him. And tonight we are living with Sodom all around us. On one group, it causes them to get immobilized and they become questioning and doubting. And on another group, they look at the same thing and they say, our redemption draws nigh. Oh, rock of ages. Oh, oh, city of refuge. Put a fire in my heart, Lord, to run after you. I will run after your word. I will run into your presence. Lord, if we've been guilty of moving away from your presence or away from your presence, let us turn. Let there be a turning and let us run to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was the difference between Sarah and Lot's wife. One received the promise. She was with Abraham and the other. She was already leaning toward the things of the world. And her heart was caught up in those things. I'm I'm just going to close out the quote on the screen. Speaking about Mary Magdalene. When Jesus spoke and said, be thou clean. All that left her. She become a new person. She wasn't so pretty anymore in her own sight. But she wrapped herself in the robe of meekness and gentleness. And followed the master. She loved him. And every person that has truly been delivered by God loves the Lord Jesus. Do we believe that tonight? Every person that has had a visitation and in his presence, you can never walk out and be the same. That's why it is so trembling tonight when you see individuals that are in his presence, yet they walk out and are the same. Then you see a decline. Then you see it going down. And and your heart just wants to cry out. God, is that why you are lingering? Is that why you're tearing 2019? Look at this tonight. We're coming right up to summer camp. Family camp 2019. Can you imagine? We didn't even thought we'd make it to... Year 2000, we didn't, my parents didn't even think that their first child would, you know, ever be born or ever go to school or ever be married. And they had six children and then they have children and they have children and time has moved on for all of us. Time continues to move on and we see God give us a spirit that Jacob had. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Brother Branham, I I, I was just reading this today, and hear ye him. Some years ago, he said, I read a little article in a magazine that was advertising, I believe it was Sinclair Gasoline, 
or some noted brand of gasoline. And they said that one gallon of Sinclair gasoline, and I think that's about four liters or so, one gallon of Sinclair uh, gasoline in a certain type of a machine, if it could be built sturdy enough, would lift the Sphinx 10 inches off the ground. It's called false advertising. <laughs> this is way back. This is way back in the 60s. And this company still has a business in Wyoming, if you can believe it. False advertising. Somebody bought into it. One gallon of our gasoline in a certain machine could lift up the sinks. Ten inches off the ground. And I thought, oh, how the Sinclair company likes to brag on the power of their gasoline. And what a little bit can do a whole lot. That's incredible. Think about this. What a little bit a gallon of gas can do. Look at this. I just looked at this today. This Sphinx of Giza is known to be among the biggest and ancient. In one place said it's the biggest statue in the world. And you see the pyramids and the things behind. And some might ask, well, you know, how much does the Great Pyramid weigh? And you look there, I've got it on the screen. Each stone block within the pyramid weighs 2.5 ton, tons. And I have the kilograms there for you too. Therefore, the total weight of the Great Pyramid is approximately, and I've got it there on the screen, too many numbers. And just when we needed Mrs. Leonard, she moved away. Look at all of this, thousands and thousands and millions and billions of kilograms on the left here, on the bottom, which is 5,750,000 tons. This false advertiser said just one gallon of our gas can lift up that whole sphinx. And somehow they're still in business. Think about that. What a little bit can do a whole lot. Brother Branham said, but I thought tonight, he's just continuing on. I thought tonight that one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. I almost showed you Jesus on the cross and and blood all up. But I've been told that some of my graphic photos are too much for the children. So just imagine. Let it come into your heart. One drop of the blood of Jesus Christ can lift every sinner that there is out of the miry clay. One drop. And set every hospital free from sickness. And close up every jail and penitentiary. This is a prophet. And deliver every insane institution of its diseased people and afflicted. This is power. And they want to take that out of the church. They want to take that out of our lives. I'll say, we need the blood of Jesus. Tonight we're speaking even before our summer camp. But it's for tonight. You don't need to go run and jump in the pool of, of blood. One drop. That's incredible. And make joy all over the world. With one drop of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Isn't that incredible? Can you go back to the next slide, Brother Joseph? If the Sinclair Gas Company can say one gallon of our gas could lift up all of these tons or kilograms of the great finks, and people believe it, can't we be believers tonight? And say the blood of Jesus Christ can lift every sinner that there is out of the miry clay. Then why do we sit here in his presence and go out and be the same or be worse? I think there has to come a revelation at some point in our lives that I believe in that blood. I want that blood. I think even today there's been a a, a Mexican person that was incarcerated of the... Uh, the, the most famous drug lord of all of, uh, I think, the world, or at least Mexico, United States had him there. He'd already, you know, escaped several times. And today they have uh, finally, you know, sentenced him to a life sentence plus 30 years. And that's just one man. And you hear about all his murders and all the people he shot and then burned and then all his mistresses and fornication and evil and billions of dollars. And here's every sinner that there is out of the miry clay in the whole world. Just one drop. Think about it, friends. Our meetings ought to carry a whole different atmosphere. We believe in that blood. The blood is here. Send a gusher, Lord. Surely, if God sent a gusher, a little drop would get on my spirit, get on my soul, get on my body. This is more than just emotion. It's the Holy Spirit trying to get our attention and set every hospital free from sickness. I was in a large hospital Sunday in Seattle. Brother Tom was there Monday. Hospitals full of sick people. But one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ can set every hospital free from sickness. Not just one hospital, all the hospitals. Why sit here and be sick? Why sit here and give credit to the devil and lean off some arm of the flesh? One day the Lord might drag that right out of you so you believe in the blood. It's your last breath tonight. Say, I believe in the blood, Lord. Close up every jail and penitentiary. Why? You wouldn't need them no more. There's not going to be any jails in heaven. Every person will be free from sin. No murder. No lying. No adultery. No fornication. No Sodom spirit. Deliver every insane institution of its diseased people and afflicted. And we hear more and more and more of this case. I was in that part of the hospital a few weeks ago. My heart just sinks when I have to go in there. And the person I was with just waving their card, having to go through certain doors and certain doors and go into a place. But here it is tonight. One drop of the blood of Jesus Christ can deliver every insane institution. Then why stay diseased? Why stay afflicted? Let the Holy Ghost just say, just tonight, you can pray, God, make this real to me. Make it real in my marriage. Make it real in my family. Make it real in our church. Make joy all over the world. They sing joy to the world. It's just a little facade. But to the believer, we have joy. I don't think we'll have time to turn to it, but Psalms speaks about that. It says that it'll cause the barren woman to have children and have joy. 
And the barren church is very sad. But you let the Holy Ghost start making barrenness into life and joy. And, and give me a little bit of wah, wah, and crying out. That doesn't make a mother sad. That makes her happy that there's life in the home. When you hear the pitter-patter of little children or you hear young people even making mistakes, at least be happy that God's given you some young people. At least be happy that we're able to have a camp and fill it up in the waiting list and be around our office and they're calling day after day. Sister Megan would know this, wanting to get in, wanting to get in. And here we are six years. Don't become fat with just, oh, we've heard that and we know. God, shake us. One drop. I wonder sometimes, and forgive me if this is being too honest, but you know, you have people that are born and raised in Baptist homes. They become Baptists. You have young people, children uh, raised up in Mormon homes. They become good Mormons. They get to a certain age, and I've talked to them and been around them. They send their young people to another country for a year or two years on a, on a mission, on a journey. Raised in Methodist homes, they become good Methodists. If we're not careful, the same spirit will come right in the message. And you have, we believe the message. The message is Christ. But if we're not careful, people just become, they get around and they just become message young people and good people. It's not good enough. God, shake us. Then you find time goes on and years go by. People doubting their experience. People going back. People questioning. People renouncing the message. I say, God, give each person a real personal revelation. And as Brother Tom said on Sunday, we don't want it to be the enthusiasm of the preacher. We don't want it to be our revelation. This isn't my revelation. This is a prophet saying, with one drop of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, what's the problem then, Brother John? The blood has left the church. The blood has left families. There is no blood on the revelation. So when they go home, they can talk all the mechanics all you want to. But your children and your young people, they know whether there's life. God help us. If our young people become where they disdain what we believe. God put a love back in our hearts. I'm speaking to the older ones. How, how can we expect them to want what we've got if we're so moody and driven by this and that and moving them into education and moving them into satanic worship? You'll never become Christ-like publicly if your private life is cankered with demon spirits. And people wonder why the life of Christ and why God isn't blessing and why God isn't moving. It's because their private life is cobwebbed all over with spirits that are vile. They're evil. And we need to separate ourselves from that with the Holy Ghost. And it ought to start right here at the house of God. When Brother Tim was preaching the other day on social media and internet and these certain type of vices and it can get really quiet. Or when our pastor speaks about it, or Brother Tom, or Brother Murphy, or any other minister. It shouldn't get quiet. 
It ought to be a support and, and a love. And that is true. And my eyes are coming open. That is right. Or uh, if we've crossed certain lines, come back. Because you want the blessing of God. You want the rapture blessing. Not to just come to church blessing. Because you can only drag them so many years. You can only force them to do what you want them to do so long. And I don't believe parents should be master manipulators. I, I believe it ought to be something where if our children, I'm, I'm going down a pathway here. If our children are not where they ought to be with the Lord, it ought to be something in their heart that they know the people around them know God. And if they ever want to come back, there's a daddy or a mommy or a minister, someone in their church that they know is real. God help us not to be fakes. Drive that spirit right out of our lives, Lord. If any of us have been guilty of a lot or a lot's wife spirit and his and his daughters, you know, how did that even get in their head Th- that when the mother became a pillar of salt and they had to go to the cave? Oh, let's make our father drunk. Where did they get that? It's because of the magazines they were, they were listening, they were looking at. It's because of their media they were allowed to be watching. Somehow alcohol was an easy reach for them. Just a click away, just a swipe away. And brothers and sisters, we ought to be more discerning than that. If we're under the Abraham spirit, that's a prophetic anointing. That sees the devil coming in before he gets there. As he's there. I can preach it, but I believe we need to support the ministry saying it. We need to say, preach it, brother. Expose the enemy. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Then it's not you saying, oh, I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost. It's God saying, I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost. It's two different things. One person striving, one person one, and another person, they're just, they're they're believing. They're laying aside every weight and God just says, I'm going to fill them with my Holy Ghost. That person will never be the same. Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Are we doing okay? Same as in the days of Christ. God holds the key to this revelation of Christ himself. Do you believe that? Schools of theology can never find it. Jesus said so. If you want to read it now in St. Matthew eleven twenty-five and 27. I thank thee, O Father. God, can you imagine this prayer? I thank thee. O Father, God of heavens and earth, that thou hast hid This from the eyes of the wise and prudent. People that study. People that learn. People that will spend hours trying to look at something and dissect it. And probably have better gifts than I do or we do. And they're they're wise and they're prudent and they can put things together. And Jesus said, you've hid it from their eyes. And you've revealed it to babes. Such as would learn. And this is a huge concern. Is that as the years go by we get so growing up. We don't want to be classified with the babes. But friends. 
The babes are those that would learn. Doesn't matter if you're 60, 70, or 80. Be a person that's willing to learn. Be willing to change. Can I say something personal? That's what I appreciate about Brother Richard Dayoka and his ministry. He's a man that has thousands of people in his church. When he travels to North America, he'll draw people from other states, other countries, other continents. But when he stands behind the pulpit, he don't preach way out in the clouds. He'll take a simple little message and preach to your heart and to my heart. That is a huge secret. And we see over the years being raised in the message. Those that want to preach way up in the clouds and preach way all the mysteries. And people wonder what they have. A week later, they wonder what they heard. But men like Brother Dioka, why? That is a gift of God. That can preach what the people need and not what they want to hear. I said we need ministry that will preach what we need and not what we say we want. In fact, it might be just the opposite. The way you are or your family or the way your spirit is, God might be trying to just cut away that. And be careful, friends. The very thing or the very gift or the very counselor you get classed with or the very job that you are you know, put into, you, uh, you know, this and that might be the very thing God is trying to mold your character. Hallelujah. See? Look at them scholars of that day. Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Those Jews, very fine men. They're organizations of Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, and whatever they might be. See, all their great organizations. And Jesus said, you are blind. And you lead the blind. And you know what they did? They shut him right off. Just a few weeks ago and. On on July the 7th, we spoke in Seattle on the indictment because it was July the 7th when Brother Branham preached the indictment in Jeffersonville. We preached on the indictment or the invisible union. And here Brother Branham is preaching Christ is the mystery of God revealed. And when Jesus said, you are blind, you lead the blind to the church leaders, they shut him right off. You're Beelzebub, you're this and you're that. But thank God for a little woman at the well. Her life had been messed up. She was unclean. But just the word speaking to her for a few minutes. Light struck that thing. And I say God help all of us. Myself included. As we have neared him. There ought to be. More of an ability to get out of the way. To say things to one another. And to win the lost. In our families. Who we work with. Or to say things to people around us. That's God flowing through us. And not just our flesh. Don't just shut it off. Don't just glaze it over. And God help us. Not to hear what we hear. And walk out and live different. It shows that it's just, it's going somewhere other than in our hearts. Because our opening quote was, if God would ever do something for a person, it would change them. 
Here it is. Well, did Isaiah speak of you? Brother Branham continues. You have ears and can hear and eyes that you can't hear. Can't see. Excuse me. Because Isaiah said this in the spirit. Therefore, the God of heaven has blinded your eyes. This is amazing. You look at people today that their eyes used to be open toward the things of God. And now their eyes are closed. You say, how'd that happen? Have you ever thought about what Brother Branham said? The God of heaven has blinded their eyes. You're doing like Eve did, accepting the intellectual side and know nothing of the spirit of God. Therefore, won't they all fall into the ditch? Both the leader and the blind too. The leader will fall with the blind because he's blind also. The leader fall that's blind, leading the blind. They both fall in the ditch. Warning today to every person. We need to get a hold personally of that rock. The Deuteronomy says, our rock is greater than their rock. What they're standing on is shifting sand. Our rock is Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, I want to live under a rapture blessing. I want that rock to be under my life. Stabilize us, Lord. You watch people today that waver. And are moved by people that's falling away. It's because that individual needs a stronger stand themselves with God. Because if that would move them, it shows they're movable. And it should drive the believer back to a greater conviction. Lord, tie me stronger to the anchor, Lord. Give me a revelation. Why am I wavering there? Why am I falling apart, Lord? I need your help. There's nothing wrong with saying I need help. There's nothing wrong with going into the hospital. But it's when people try to cover and get over this and there's been a a bad accident and a bad hit with their heart. We was with someone in this past week that has had a traumatic hit in their heart. In fact, it so hit their heart so strong and the, the aorta of their heart that it caused such a strong impact. They had to go in and put a splint into that person's heart. The impact and the bruising of that sudden impact. And I was speaking to the person. I said, isn't that just like spiritual? How something happens to a person's life and it'll just hit them like that. It's like a Satan wants to take you out. And he'll try to hit at the heart and break the heart and get you bleeding on the inside. You say, oh, oh, it's good. It's all good. It's all good on the outside. But in the heart, there's internal things, even in the vital organs. Don't follow the blind. Follow the word. It's not your friend, your mommy, your daddy, your husband, or your wife. Every individual needs to get a hold of Christ. Are you understanding tonight? It's a personal revelation. Don't be a groupie. Don't be a group junkie. Sure, we have cabins. Sure, we have age groups. Sure, there's... Brother Branham talked about a grandma or an old person and some a young child or a young person that's always around them. And Brother Branham said, oh, they probably have a piece of candy or they probably have 
Friends, we're, we're down the road than that. Children want to be with children. Young people are going to be young people. Older ones think the way old people think. But when the mind of Christ settles down, there ought to be a dominating atmosphere and a theme and a channel. Have you noticed that? It's just God works through a channel, through a certain way. Don't follow the blind. Blind emotionally. Blind spiritually. They don't even know what they believe or where they're going. Don't follow that person. He said, now you can see now the end time message why it's rejected, can't you? Can you? Now, no denomination, but the revelation of his mystery. So no denomination. The revelation. Brother Madam's very exercised here. If you listen to it here, paragraph 412. The revelation. God is not known by denomination. He's known by revelation. He said, look, exclamation. God in his body, Christ, and Christ in his body, the bride. Oh, he said, my. God made manifest in Christ. Christ made manifest in the bride. And a person could just stop the tape right there and say, Lord, I believe that it was God in Christ. But if there's a lack somewhere in my life of you manifesting in me, help me, Lord. Unclog it. Take away the tree stumps. Take away the the whatever that's hindering me. Are we real friends with one another? Do we tell one another the truth? Do we just live close to one another and are unwilling to tell them the truth? Then when we hear the truth and it kind of, it's opposite or it's going the other way. Is there something in us that's always just, no, I'm not going to do that. Or no, that's just not. Or is there something that says, God, is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Is there a change? That was my alarm going off. You can read ahead. Some of you do already. It's already talking about Eve and how she fell. But God's bringing a bride out that won't fall. I hope every man that hears this tape and every woman will understand that. He's talking about Eve and how she's uh, talking about us now. She's not breaking and spoiling her skirts of purity and holiness to her husband. She'll stay with his word regardless of what anybody says. Anybody. That includes everybody. The church is the blood of Christ by the Spirit. Because the life is in the blood. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into His body. That recognizes only. Can we say only? His body. His flesh. His word. Then how can the Holy Spirit in a person deny the word? Deny the message? Deny a prophet that God sent? To turn yours and my heart. And a person denies that. Finds fault. Looks at all the mistakes. Or tries to find the mistakes. Or look at, look at all the wrong spots. Or the hinder spots. I'll just say this. That's not the bride's ministry. To see the hinder parts. If you're going to be a Balaam. That's your ministry. It's not the real ministry. 
And we've had ministers and we have them today. And they use quotes to try to back up their thought. That's not what we're hearing tonight. I pray God pour in the word. Let's feed from the word. Doesn't matter if they're your friend or been your friend or your family. It's time that a person just cut through the emotion. He goes on to talk about this Eve and she, the first Eve fell, but this one knows it and won't fall. She's ordained. Hallelujah. She's ordained to not fall. She won't fail. You ought to just put your name there. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fail. By the grace of God, if you're in a hospital room tonight and all paralyzed, have somebody lift up your feet or your hands and say, that's me. I'm preaching tonight with a prayer cloth of someone that asks us to pray that they have children. They can't have children. They're in another country, but they have faith. They believe God's working at Cloverdale Bible Way. Will you pray with us? May when this prayer cloth strikes that sister, if God would grant her the desire of their hearts, that's what we would pray tonight. And Sister Grace and Brother Mutchie and Joshua and Samuel, they agree with that. What God did for them, and they stand here in our testimony, God can give back to that family. Why, friends? Because they see the word is coming and not just preaching and intellectual. But it comes with power. It touches their heart. God, help us in this evil hour when we've been ordained to not fall. We've been ordained not to fail. And Brother Branham's quoting this in the last part of this. Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Blessed is the man who God will not impute sin. And Paul said this in Romans 4. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. I know it's time to close, but let me drop this in before we go. God has imputed to your life righteousness. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. This goes right into invisible union where he said, you never did it in the first place. You're justified. I impute you as righteous. I wish we had another half hour because I think it could really clinch the nail, but I'm not going to take it. We are not Lot's wife. She didn't make it. She's a type of the church world that didn't have oil in the lamps. And Sarah laughed at the promise too. She disbelieved too. You say, how could Lot's wife disbelieve and look back and turn to a pillar of salt and another female and another wife and another lady bring forth The Christ child. Bring forth Isaac. Even after 25 years in the message. Why? She was hidden in Abraham. God imputed righteousness to you. Even today, this Wednesday, if you've had unbelief, tonight God is imputing righteousness to you. Because the church is the blood of Christ. I know that's deep and swimming waters for some, but this is what he's saying in Psalms. This is David. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And I pray throughout our camp meetings, skits and meeting services and devotions and just our atmosphere that we share together, that God would give this revelation to every person. Will we agree together? They come into the campgrounds and they leave. May something happen throughout that time. They would know my sins are gone. 
They're under the blood. Every sick person can be healed. Every bound person can be delivered. God's imputed righteousness to your filthy heart. To my filthy heart. We were the Sarahs. But because you are hidden in Jesus, he will not destroy you. I tell you, friends, when that really struck my heart this week, I just thought, Lord, how we, do we really be even really grasp what God is saying to us? Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. That word imputeth means God, when he looks at you, he thinks no evil. He plans no evil. He's counted you with him. Your whole account has been settled. He's not going to charge you with that. He imputes that. He reckons it as never happened. Say, how does that happen? When you believe. Not when you sit next to a mother that believes or a father that, but when you believe. It means that God's taken into account everything. He's thought about it. He's considered it. He's mindful of every situation in your life. And he's considered it. And he says, she's going to be my wife. He's going to be my wife. And you're trying to think back and think of all the evil you've done. And all the Sodom and Gomorrah and all the evil. And God's saying, no, I'm imputing my righteousness to you. You're not that way, Sarah. Believe the word of God. Don't turn and laugh at the promise, but receive the word of God. I want to go ahead to that slide, and I know I have some things in invisible union, but but I want to go ahead here. This is the last quote. Let me give you a little grace here, brethren. Right in Spokane, Washington. That minute... God would have killed Sarah for disbelieving that angel. But he didn't. I wonder if we can all just receive this before we go. Look at that angel. Went down and told Lot's wife not to look back. See what happened to her for unbelief. See? But he couldn't take Sarah. Because she was part of Abraham. And today the unbelief with the real true church. She has unbelief. But he can't touch her. We're in Jesus. See you can't take the church without hurting Christ. He couldn't take Sarah without hurting Abraham. So grace covered it. And Sarah got scared and she denied it. And he said you did do it. Oh my we would say I did do it. And Jesus said, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. What is that? That's Christ coming at the end time and saying, you never did it in the first place. What do you all think about that tonight? What do you all think about that? Death is all around you. And death could be in your life. And God is saying, I forgive you, I justify you, I'm imputing righteousness to you. I think after this service, we could be very grateful and thankful. We could go into our summer camp saying, praise be to God. What he did for one, he can do for another. What he done for the elders, he can do for the youth. What he's done for some youth, he can do for your friends. 
Do we believe that? We're the Abraham and Sarah group. It's time to receive the promise. Receive the rapture blessing. Sodom has nothing for your future but fire and brimstone. And God has a promise of eternal life. Let's stand to our feet. I choose Christ tonight. I choose to live under that. Not gallon of that gasoline of some false advertiser. We live under the word. We live under the word. And they took from their bodies handkerchiefs and aprons. And God delivered them of, of sicknesses and diseases and demon spirits were cast out. Why do we allow that to happen to another person in another country? And we sit right amongst one another. And we don't have the same confidence and trust. You know what it is? Satan has ate away at our, at our revelation of one another. I want to see Jesus. Do you want to see Jesus? Amen. As our musicians come, I'll just make those couple comments as we sing the song when the redeemed are gathered in. I just make those couple comments about camp. How many's looking forward to camp? When the redeemed are gathering in. Two things. Flexibility. We've got to remain flexible. There are things that come up unplanned. There's expressions, there's needs, there's issues that come up from now throughout camp, even after camp. Can we remain flexible? Don't get so stuck in a certain plan or rigid in a certain way. Even as we close the service tonight, we, you've gone through, is it 30 years of camp now, Brother Tom? 30 years or 34? My, my, my. Think about it. And some have come on board and you've joined. Even from other countries. And now you're counselors. And now you're married. And now you're serving. And now you're children. Now you're grandchildren. It's because God has blessed people that remain flexible. They, they just wake up and say, God, whatever happens today, I want to be willing to move. I want to be flexible. Don't stay rigid. Be flexible. Secondly, is body movements. Jesus Christ in our local body. Remember, the glory of God is expressed in the body. We work together. This is my closing comments about coming up to camp. He works through the body. And we're all different. All of us are different. But we've got to move together. We're never complete in ourselves. It's not a one-man show. It's not all looking to one person. We need one another. And we depend on one another. We're not divided. Going into Camp Cloverdale Bible Way, the whole mission and vision, we're not divided. It's not what everybody thinks and I'll do it my way and I'll, no, 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 we're not divided. And we're not going separately. We go together. We believe in unity. We believe in oneness. And we're under the same headship and the same mind, which is Christ. And I believe with all my heart, God is doing great things. I believe he's preparing our hearts for maybe years. 
Maybe it'll just be a moment. But as you just come into his presence from now on, as we've heard for many years, don't let it be the last night and you're throwing in your sleeping bag and throw it in your toothpaste. Let it start early. Just an expectation. You're considering. You're praying. You're looking to God. Are we together in this tonight? This is a body. This is flexible. People that move under that inspiration of God. As we bow our heads tonight, I wonder who would say, Lord, I want to live under this rapture blessing, God. I want that blessing on my life. I want it on my marriage. I want it on my relationship. I want it on my family, Lord. I want it in my job, in my school, in my automobile. I want it in my life, God. Give us men and women that are like Jacob that can say, I'm not going to give up until you bless me. Until you give me my mountain, my revelation. What is my place in God? What is my calling? You can pray like that tonight as we close. You can pray, Lord Jesus, anoint my life. I want that kind of a touch. That when the sun rises up, I won't walk the same. I won't be like Sodom. I won't be like Gomorrah. I won't be in that atmosphere. I want to be under the presence of Melchizedek. Open up your tent door tonight, my friend. In your prayer right now, open up your tent door. Look out across the sands and say, Lord, appear to us, Lord. Appear to me, God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Wednesday night service. Thank you for the summertime that we can bask in your presence. Receive the words of life under the commission of your word. Under a heart changing message. Under a prophetic anointing that changes our innermost beings and our hearts, Lord. Even in the time of crisis and strong, sudden avalanches of the enemy that would try to assail or come against us tonight we stand our ground as Joshua and Caleb as you're looking for men and women like that that are steadfast unmovable cause us to be unmovable Lord would anyone say that right now to the Lord cause me to be unmovable in my faith unshakable Give me a personal revelation now as we move out now. Give me my mountain. Caleb had fought for years for a lot of other people in the message and a lot of other camps and Sunday school and prayer meetings and youth meetings and church services. But there came a time personally that he said, give me my mountain. I want my inheritance. This is your time now. This is your sacred hour. This is your sacred time to say, Lord, manifest it within my life. Heavenly Father, may these blessings be upon the people. The meetings that are come up, coming up even this weekend, Lord. Some are traveling out. Prayer meeting on Friday night. Even in our homes, Lord, as we speak to one another, let it be automatically where we're able to share about the things of God. We want to live under this rapture blessing. We're not following after signs. Signs to follow the believer. It should just be automatic. 
where there's healings and deliverances and miracles and a mother, a father, a young person laying hands or praying for someone and God working on their behalf. It would give us such great courage and confidence, Lord, to see you answering the prayers of some that may might have lingered for many years or a soul that is not satisfied with the water they've been drinking from. We pray that you would give them water so that they would never thirst again. Bless them, Lord Jesus. Bless every elect seed. Bless your predestinated seed in this local area and around the globe, Lord. That is why there's such a move of your spirit. Because your prophet saw it by vision. And now it is coming to pass. Bless your people in the ministry, Lord. And the housewives and the young, the old, the middle-aged. May the anointing of God be upon us. In Jesus' name. We pray this blessing on one another. When the redeemed are gathered.